Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of CrossCast. This is a podcast where we talk about being disciples and making disciples of Jesus Christ for the glory of God and the joy of his people. My name is Chad Barlow. I'm the pastoral intern at the Crossing Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. And today we have a guest, uh, Joey Nichols. He's one of the pastors here at the Crossing Church. Joey, thanks for being on today. Well, thank you, Chad, for having me. This uh, seems exciting. I've never done a podcast before. Nice. Yep. A lot of the guests haven't, so we're all new in this together. Yeah. Podcast virgins. Yeah. <laughs> At least for me. <laughs> totally. I think everyone has been. Yeah. I'm like the most advanced podcast guy, and I'm only like uh, seven or eight episodes nice, in Nice, but you're an old so pro now. I guess so. <laughs> awesome. Um, so since this is your first time on, I've been asking everyone just to share a three to five minute testimony and then something interesting about yourself. And Oh, that's right. I've read about the interesting Yeah, I know part. when people do. And then it's like, well, I wore a plaid shirt today. And I'm like, that's not interesting. <laughs> no. so, and if you know me, that's not uh, that big a deal. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. Actually, yeah, yeah. you do wear a lot of, plaid, a lot of plaid colored shirts. Yeah, yeah. I didn't My realize. Scottish background. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, tell tell us a little bit of your story, please. So Joey. Uh, I uh, was using drugs at age four. Nope, sorry, it's not <laughs> one of those stories. It's going to be uh, not quite as a, it's still a miracle because anytime uh, the Lord brings someone to Himself, it's a miracle. Amen. Um, but maybe not as interesting as the four year old uh, drug user. <laughs> no, actually, um, I'm the youngest of four kids, uh, two older sisters and an older brother, and. Um, I'm the only one, in a sense, that was raised by parents that were Christians the whole time, so to speak, meaning mm. that um, between uh, my brother and me, um, my parents became believers, and um, they were serious about their faith, and um, so basically I was raised in a Christian home that wasn't just Christian in name only, and it wasn't just Christian, so to speak, on Sunday mornings, Um what I tell people is they were far from perfect, which is true, but mm-hmm. they were um, they weren't hypocritical. They really um, lived out their faith, and they were the same on a Tuesday or a Wednesday or, or a Thursday as they were on a Sunday, and um, and so I think it made a big difference to me. I, I have even to this day I kind of even though we're all hypocrites, but I also have kind of an issue with especially with Christians that come across as if they talk one way and walk another way, totally. so to speak. Um, so my parents weren't that way. Um, again, they didn't do it all perfectly by any stretch, but they, um, they were consistent for the most part in their, in their walk. And, um, and they raised us to value the Bible and that it's the word of God. And therefore what it says is, um, the most important thing you could be that you could know. Awesome. And, um, so I'm one of those, uh, believers, I think maybe Rich uh, talked about this too a few weeks back, that um, I can't point to a specific day or a time when I um, basically uh, crossed over from life into death, um, but the Lord did that. Death to life. Excuse me, de- yeah, yeah, sorry. <laughs> there you <laughs> yeah. go. Oh, is that what we're talking about? <laughs> I have to change that story. Um, from death into life. Um, but I know that I had kind of a, I guess, I don't know, a we'll call it a sensitivity to spiritual things, um, at a certain time. And then, um, maybe like a lot of folks, by the time I was around, um, the end of high school and early teenagehood or no, I mean, early, uh, adulthood, um, I started to take my faith a lot more seriously and, um, yeah. And so it's just, I guess I would just say it's a great, um, both main encouragement to you and Audrey and any, um, any couples out there that, um, 
you being um, just the most honest believers you can be in front of your kids um, is some of the best uh, disciple making you can do. Yeah, cool. Thanks. That's yeah. encouraging. I have a follow-up question for you. Were sure. your parents nominal Christians during your other three siblings, or were they just like total unbelievers? Right. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so both my parents were raised to go to church. In fact, my father, um, his his father, my, my grandfather on my dad's side, um, did a lot of different things through his life, but for a, a certain number of years, he was a Methodist minister. So my my dad was raised to honor God and those kinds of things, but I think there wasn't any kind of a heart change for him or my mom mm-hmm. until their um, their late twenties. Yeah. So have you have you seen that? How do I say this? Have you seen that influence your siblings' faith that they grew up or somewhat with nominal Christian parents, and then yeah. you grew up with? Yeah, truly good, born again Christian. It's a good question. Yes. Um, so they were still pretty young when, uh, like, probably I bet they were maybe, uh, like, probably like six or, or seven, five, and four okay, or something so like that young. when my parents came to Christ. Gotcha. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So they still had time to see the the heart life yes. changes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I won't go into the details, but. Part of how my parents basically kind of came back to church and back to or into faith in Christ was um, when my oldest sister was only like maybe five or six, they had enough of an upbringing to think that, well, okay, our our oldest is old enough to go to Sunday school, and so we should probably take her to Sunday school. So they would drop her off at the church. They wouldn't stay for anything themselves, and this is back when that, now that might seem crazy that a parent <laughs> would do that, but back then... Um, and then pick her up for Sunday school afterwards. I mean, excuse me, pick her up after Sunday school. And but they wouldn't go to a class themselves or go to <laughs> church. And um, and there was a certain point where my oldest sister, as a little five year old, asked, "It's a it's a cool thing." She asked my dad when he picked her up, "How come he didn't love God?" Mm. And he was taken aback. And he said, "Well, like, honey, why would you ask that? Of course, I love God." And she says, "Well, if you love God, how come you don't want to come to his house?" <laughs> oh wow! And, um, oh my gosh! He and my mom were convicted by that in a sense, and they started coming to church and hadn't been going regularly for a number of years. And so, Whoa, yeah, that's powerful. Yeah. So I can't remember if you told me that when we got coffee that day. No, not, probably that's not. That's really yeah. powerful. Yeah. Yep. And so that that's also speaks to just the, um, the power of even a little kid. Yeah. Five or six year old can have in um, bringing someone to Christ. Yeah. Wow. Eventually. Yeah. Yeah. Or even just planting seeds. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That's a better way to put it. Yeah. Cool. Thanks for sharing. Okay, now an interesting thing. Oh, the about interesting you. thing. Oh, um, the interesting thing. Um, gosh, there's lots. Right. Come on. Well, I don't know about that. Yeah. Um, uh, well, I mean, and we may talk about this later. But one thing that's interesting is that um, I've been single all my life. I've never been married and don't have any kids. Um, and, um, and so many people that are single in my age, I'm in my fifties, um, they've been married and either widowed or divorced if they're, if they're still single. Um, and, um, but that's a little bit unusual for me. Yeah. Um, that, that is the other thing is, but, but most people that know me know this is, uh, how much I love to travel. Mm-hmm. I just love traveling and, um, especially, um, out of the country, but, um, anytime I can go someplace, um, I like to. Where's your favorite place to go? Uh, that's pretty easy uh great britain great britain 
yep. specifically somewhere? Is it um, London or somewhere? Uh, I love London. Black, it's my yeah. favorite city I've ever visited. Yeah. It's just awesome. I've been there over a dozen times. And, <laughs> I just um, thought of a funny story I'll tell you in a sec. And, uh, but also the, I went to a Bible school in England. Maybe that's kind of interesting. I was going to say that's, yeah, a, yeah. that's pretty interesting. Um, too. I went to a Bible school in England in between my, um, associate's degree and my bachelor's degree. And, um, so that would be my second favorite place if I was going to visit, um, as far as in, in, and it's in called the UK. Cape and Ray. Cape and Ray Bible school. Yep. In the Northwest of England. Yeah. Yep. It's kind of like a little castle. That um, you get to live in for a period of time. Yeah, it was, that was wonderful. was fun to hear about yeah. when we... That could be another yeah. podcast. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. I bet you could talk about that sure. for a while. Yep. So I'm going to share... I'm going to take up some time because it's sure. just too fun and funny. Maybe just for me. So sorry. Sure. I'm going to make you and no, no, the no. listeners walk no. down. Hey, when you're the uh, host, you can make those decisions. <laughs> you lane with me. So uh, I went a few times during running track. I went to New York City and uh-huh. I had a an Asian teammate who took mm-hmm. us to Chinatown to get these like pork buns. Nice. So you can kind of only find in Chinatown. Sure. And he knew where to go and what to get. And these pork buns were absolutely delicious. <laughs> so when I went to London in 2012 with one of my buddies, uh, we found Chinatown and yes. I was like, we got to go see if there's pork buns yeah. anywhere. And we found some nice and we took them out and we took all these pictures with us and I bite into it. And I was like, this is not as good as I remember. <laughs> it's like actually kind of gross and chewy. It's like oh, really chewy. And I yeah. remember them being soft. We flipped it upside down and there was wax paper on the bottom. You're supposed to take oh. off. You're not supposed to eat the wax paper. <laughs> so we took a picture of me with a perfect bite out of my wax paper. <laughs> and then I took that off and it was as good as there I remember. Go. Yeah, nice. <laughs> Maybe they leave that on for the Americans just to uh, fool them. Yeah, it was like stuck. I didn't see it there. It was like so stuck <laughs> to the bottom. So nice. Thanks for letting me sure walk down memory lane. Yeah, yeah. Um, a follow up question just about being a single guy your whole yeah. life and single at at your age. Yeah. Have you felt like like you've had f- full acceptance? Have people like looked at you funny, kind of the way that some people look at people who have like six or seven or eight kids? Like, right. oh, you're kind of yeah, different. Yeah, yeah. And and I'm not saying that I look at you that way, or right. if you're listening to this and you yeah. have six or seven or eight kids, I'm not saying that's <laughs> weird either, <laughs> yeah. but the culture kind of does have some expectations mm-hmm. on people. Do you yeah. ever? Yeah. Um, uh, well, I'm tempted to say people might look at me funny, but for all kinds of different reasons. <laughs> um, you know, the I think the... The honest answer is almost anyone I've met in the in the Christian church over the years has been pretty supportive of me, I guess you would say. I do think there's people that have wondered about me, but most of them probably haven't asked me questions about it. Um, I mean, there are people that ask me about being single, mm-hmm. but I don't think they've had like, you know, why are you this weird single guy or something like yeah. that? Um, yeah, I, I, I'll add that, um, and I don't know if you were going to get to this or not, but, um, I've, so I've, I've felt accepted at any church I've been at as a single, as a single man, as a single adult. Um, I would say I've felt most accepted, um, here at the crossing and, um, and that's not just a, you know, that's not a, a paid, uh, advertisement or anything like that. No, no, yeah. Um, yeah, I've, um, I've served in leadership type positions at other churches. Um, this is the only church I've served in an elder position and, um, and not that other churches I've been a part of maybe wouldn't have that they would have been okay with that. Um, uh, yeah. So yeah, I'll just say that. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for sharing. Um, 
do you have any encouragement for some of the single people in our body or listeners who yeah who may um, feel these expectations or just what it's been like your whole life sure. being a single man yeah. following Jesus being part yep. of churches yeah so on the one hand it's one of those things when people kind of like if someone uh, if you know anyone that's a twin and someone asks the twin what's it like to be a twin growing up and they'll kind of many times they'll say well I don't know I've only I've always been a twin right. right. So Ask there's a almost fish what water's like. Right. Yeah, a little bit like that. So yeah. there's part of the answer would be I don't have I don't have another life to compare to, so to speak. Um, which maybe would be different if someone like if I'd been married for say ten years and then divorced and then been single for twenty years or something yeah. like that. Yeah. So on the one hand, um I guess I would say, um, maybe to get to your point. And this may overlap with another question you may ask. I don't know, but uh, to me, my identity is uh, is not in my singleness. Although I, I, I'm that's part of who I am. Yeah. Um, like you had mentioned a while back when we kind of talked about this, uh, the potential of asking me about my role as a pastor, and I kind of maybe even hopefully it wasn't snarky. It might have sounded snarky. No. <laughs> said something about well, you know, my identity doesn't lie in whether I'm a pastor or not. Yeah. And so there's not as much for me to talk about in that in that role, so to speak. So on one hand, I guess I would encourage someone that whether you're single or married, I'd be careful about how much you place your identity in that, mm-hmm. in your marital status, because um, one of the things we're told in in, uh, in the New Testament, in the gospel, is that because of Christ, when we're in Christ, um, there's all these kind of things that used to be kind of dividing lines, whether that's about male or female, or uh, Jewish or non-Jewish, or these different kind of nationalities and things. And Paul says that, but all those things are kind of put to one side, and we're all we're all just one in Christ, in a sense. And um, and so for me, I guess, I, I guess I would say specifically to the single person, I would say be careful that you don't let your singleness become too much of who you are. Mm, that's good. Um, which on the one hand means. Um, if you're not, if you're not excited about being single and it feels maybe, um, no matter how old you are, if it feels a little bit like something that you hope God is going to bring you through and the sooner, the better, um, then I would be, I'd be careful not to make too much of that. Um, on the other hand, if, um, if you feel like your whole, I don't know, your whole life is wrapped up in that then I think that's that's something to be careful about too. So, um, yeah, for the single person, I would I guess what I would say is um, especially don't let your singleness become um, a barrier or a hindrance to the role you have to play in the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. Amen. And um, and see it for what it is that there are um, there are. Um, What's the word I'm thinking of? Whatever the opposite of benefits are, <laughs> um, detriments, detriments or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I mean, it it's it is lonely sometimes. Yeah. Um, it's more expensive sometimes. What? Um, well, meaning it's not more expensive than two, but if you divide two and a half, then I mean, meaning that uh, there's a lot of things, especially when you travel, that it's a lot more expensive to be a single person traveling oh. or a single person. There's a lot of different things that are just a lot cheaper for two people to buy. Gotcha. Yeah. than it is for one person to buy. I guess it's, that may sound weird. But anyway, um, uh, where was I going with that? Um, you were saying it's lonely. Right, the, the benefits. So aside from the negatives, and there are negatives, yeah. um, 
the uh, the time that you can put towards um, loving people and loving Jesus and loving Jesus through loving people um, is uh, is pretty amazing. And um, one of the greatest gifts I've been giving I've been given in my singleness from God is the time to um, to to really spend quality time with. Um, men and women, but especially like some young guys to mentor and disciple and really yeah. kind of pour into their lives. And, um, not that married folks can't do that. You do that as well, but I know I've got a freedom right. um, to do that in a certain way that I wouldn't have if I was married and had kiddos. Totally. That's funny because not funny, just coincidental. Cause I was just talking with a buddy this week, a single buddy who, and, and was kind of, he's about my age, so kind of saying, like, I'm, I'm hoping to be married. Like, I have this this desire. And yeah. I was saying, that's a good desire. And yeah. Let's keep praying that God would provide a wife and a family for you. Yeah. But until then, man, you can wake up in the morning whenever you want and spend, you know, as long as you want in God's Word and in prayer. Yeah. And I yeah. can't. And there are some mornings Not that I, I always up. do that, just so that we're right. clear. Right. No, totally. Yeah. And, and I'm sure he doesn't either. Yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying there's there's a unique ability to, like you just said, love Jesus through loving people with some extra time where I have to go home and, and disciple my kids and love my wife and, yeah. and can't go have, uh, you know, a beer with a, a, a unbelieving yep. buddy or, yes. you know, I was telling him sometimes 30 minutes quiet time in the morning seems like hours because it's just I'm, I'm longing and yeah. the kids are waking up and I'm trying to help Audrey out. And so yeah. yep. there are some unique benefits, too. Yeah, and you yeah, said so I would that. Just I'm not say, saying you didn't say that, but take advantage of if if you're single right now, um, even if you don't want to be single. Actually, I would even maybe say especially if you don't want to be single, um, don't waste the time now. Don't don't sit idle in the driveway, um, so to speak, when you could be out um, doing all kinds of things. Yeah, totally. yeah, for Jesus. Back to one other thing you said. It's not really as much of a question as a comment that I've said to sure. you, but I just want the listeners to hear it. So, yeah. so first, I'm I'm really glad you found such a welcome here at the crossing. Yeah. No matter your singleness and yeah, and uh, I hope that our church is like that. No matter anybody's circumstance, and in, in this on Friday, June nineteenth, twenty twenty, I should yeah. say, hopefully, the based on color of someone's skin i hope they would feel right. they would be just welcomed by these yes. people uh, which who love god and love each other which i think they would uh-huh. and i just want to commend you again and thank you and mostly for our listeners because i've said this to you a couple times but you were one of the first people who welcomed audrey and i to the crossing uh-huh. church both like in 2015 when we came and visited when smitty preached oh right i yeah. got i got to play hooky from the church that i was helping pastor yes, at yeah. and come listen to him preach yep and you sat with us during like the whole fellowship time didn't see like you just sat down and just said, I want to know you guys, your new faces. And yeah. we really appreciated it. And then when we when we officially joined here a year and a half ago. Yeah. You Although just, I think if I remember right, I had forgotten that I'd met you before when you came more recently. You might have, <laughs> but you had an impact on me. I said, yeah, I remember you, Joey. You sat and talked with us for the whole time during the, the fellowship time. Nice. Yeah. yeah so just thankful for that. So cool. I try to be like Joey and <laughs> and hey, listeners, when people you know, I talked with another new guy. Uh, newish guy, Colt, Colt Marcourt, mm-hmm. shout out to him yep. if he Colt listens to this, yeah, great guy, um, said, man, if if anyone ever comes to the crossing for the first time and and leaves because they weren't welcomed and loved, you know, shame on us, like, yeah. like, this is just an encouragement for all of us to be more like Joey, yeah, 
and I'm not trying to make you feel awkward or whoever, just to like, when we see new faces, man, let's meet those people and love them and welcome them. Cause so many times that's like, if, if you're going to join a church or at least give it another try yeah, is if people say, Oh, Hey, who are you? Where are you from? Is this your first time? Everybody has a story. Yeah. And, um, and whether they know it or not, God's in the midst of their story. And, um, so it's wonderful to, for me at least, I'm just intrigued by hearing people's story. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah, that's why yeah. every question at the beginning of the podcast is tell me your story because sure, I want to yeah. hear it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So I have a, a question for you, Joey. You're you're one of our non-vocational elders at The Crossing. Mm-hmm. So first I had another buddy tell me we got to define terms because sometimes someone, yes. so people might not know what non-vocational yes, means. Right. They're yeah, like, what exactly. the heck is that? So yeah, yeah, yeah. define it means that I never for get us. a vocation. I mean, a vacation. <laughs> no, that's not it. And then tell us what it's like working full-time and pastoring and yes. what you do for work. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's a great point. Um, so non-vocational means just that you are a pastor or an elder and you're not, that's not your main job or your main vocation. Um, you're not getting, usually you wouldn't be getting paid for it. And so on our team, um, I'm, I'm one of those people. And, uh, so, uh, it means that, uh, one of the, one of the big things it means is that I put in less time and energy, um, into my role as a pastor elder than especially the three paid guys. Mm -hmm. And that's not me being humble or whatever. It's just the truth. Yeah. And, um, uh, so I'm, I'm still a part of regular meetings. I'm still a part of decision-making. Um, I'm still a part of some of the, um, um, ministry opportunities that we have and teaching opportunities and things like that. But I'm much less involved in the day-to-day running of the, of the church, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Um, which is actually, that's, that's, for me, that's just how I want it. I am. Um, I don't. Um, God hasn't given me a, a longing to be a vocational pastor where that's that's my my own deal, as it were, my own my own job. Yeah. Um. So the job that I do have is um, I'm a mental health counselor, a therapist, psychotherapist, you could say, um, for a um, a community mental health center that basically serves Larimer County. It's called Summit Stone Health Partners. Um, it's not a Christian organization. It's not anti-Christian. It's just, um, um, kind of, it is what it is. Um, so because it's community mental health, it specifically serves people with, um, either, uh, Medicaid or no insurance. Um, there's a few exceptions for some private insurance, but for the most part, um, Medicaid or no insurance. And so it's basically, it's one of those places where no one will get turned down for the service that they need, whether they have an ability to pay or not. And so, um, that's really cool. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it doesn't always mean this, but it does mean that most of the clientele that I see are kind of in a lower socioeconomic, um, stratum, I guess you'd say. Yeah. Um, uh, I see, uh, adults in therapy, no kids. Um, we, we, we have a part of that in our agency, but I just, that's not me. Um, and, um, men and women, um, and certainly, as far as believers and non-believers, uh, it'd be the vast majority of the clients I work with are non-believers, but there are believers at times too. Well, that's great though. That's like such yeah. a mission field. Are you allowed to talk about God like during your actual sessions or, yeah, or just it's a, outside? It's of- a good question. Um, you can, you can definitely talk about God and faith and those kinds of things if the client brings it up. Oh, okay. Um, but even if he or she doesn't, I can still pose questions kind of roundabout questions. Sometimes mm-hmm. I might ask, it's, you know, it's still pretty PC to politically correct to ask someone about their spirituality. Yeah. Or, um, sometimes I'll ask someone about, uh, I'll say, you know, we have different, 
kind of different ways we get support when we're having a hard time. And even from the community, there's different ways we can receive support. Some people receive that through maybe a club they're a part of or that kind of thing. Some people, it might be through a church or something like that. Do you get support in any of those ways? So that's mm-hmm. kind of a general way to see if someone might be totally. at least involved in a church. Um, there's kind of ways around questions like that. Sometimes I'll ask someone, um, I'll say, are there times when you wonder about what some people call the big questions of life? Oh, yeah. Like life and death, or is there life beyond this? You know, does is does there a God? Does a God exist? Those kinds of big questions. And so I can I can kind of try to explore things with someone that way. But ultimately, if they say, yeah, that really doesn't interest me. I'm just here because I'm um, I'm pretty depressed. Can you help me with that? Then I'm going to pull back from the quote unquote religious talk, so to speak. Yeah. But whether they know it or not, they're getting a Christian counselor because that's me and I can't not be a Christian counselor. I just won't necessarily be, say, referring to scripture while I'm talking with them, even though I may be thinking that in my head, the, yeah. the scriptural principles. Totally. And I bet they get prayed for a lot by you, even even uh, when they don't know that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, many. T- yeah, um, not every time, but that's uh, okay. yeah, yeah, that's true. That's yeah, okay. yeah. Um, so I didn't give you a heads up about this follow up question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Uh oh. Um, you not math is it? I'm no. Good <laughs> no, I'm bad at math. State dude. capitals. I'm no good at those. <laughs> Audrey and I have actually been practicing those, but not math. Nice. Um, what was I going to ask you? Oh, uh, you are not on the preaching team. Correct. Is that because yeah. you're non-vocational? You feel like that would be too much on your plate, or um, is that just not something you mostly, feel gifted or called to? Yeah, I'd say mostly the the second choice, the latter choice. Um, uh, I, I have preached at times. I've only done that a couple times here, maybe, and I've done it some other times in the past in, in other venues. Um, so if I if I had to, so to speak, if I needed to, needed to, you know, um, I would. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't really feel that's where my gifting lies. And uh, it's interesting. I really enjoy teaching. Yeah. But my teaching style isn't so much of like a straight lecture, that, which is kind of like the way a sermon can be. That's not what a sermon is. But uh, yeah, uh, my teaching style is much more of a back and forth, almost a little Discussion. bit like what we're yeah. doing. And and you really can't, although maybe in some churches, uh, maybe in some churches in the South, um, the preaching is kind of a back and <laughs> forth with the, uh, the congregation. But um, yeah, so... Uh, um, mostly it's about gifting. Partly it might be about the time I have to devote to that, but mostly I'd say it's about gifting. Yeah. When I, um, when I was framing houses, I guess it was last summer, last July when I was still framing uh-huh. and, uh, they asked me to preach here yeah, yeah. on and Matthew it was six. Thank yeah. you. It was a, it was a busy week. So my heart goes out to Matt Whitney yes. on the weeks he preaches because yes. it's like, man, yeah. full-time job and preparing a yep. sermon. And he's super thorough. So, You're right. Uh, yeah. So yeah. that's probably like a 70 hour week or something crazy, but thankful that he, that he does it. And, but that we have paid pastors who can be devoted yeah, exactly. to, to doing it yeah. full-time. So uh, another follow-up question then for you is like, how does your job as a counselor influence the way your your perspective and the way you pastor our church? And sorry about that. That's all right. Bless you. Um, yeah, that's a good question um, because there's even a part of me that would say uh, that's even one of those things where I don't know if I can separate kind of who I am as a counselor from other aspects of who I am, but if I were to try to, I think that uh, one of the ways it if it impacts me and my role, say with the crossing, is um, 
I think that I'm exposed to exposed to a lot more of the problems of the world, mm. which by no means doesn't mean that the other pastors aren't like, you know, and they're not in some like ivory tower with their, their <laughs> theology books and not, I mean, that, that's not the case. Yes, Anyone totally. that knows our pastors know it's not that way. Yeah. Knows it's not that way. Um, but I'm around some pretty challenging people yeah. with some really tough problems and challenges a lot with my work. And so, um, in that sense, I, I, we all have a sense of how fallen this world is that we live in. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that mine's any, any clearer than anybody else's, but I will say it's, it's kind of in front of my face. Yeah. Maybe more than potentially some other people. I would agree Um, with that. And so, um, in that respect, I feel like I, um, I think that my work in counseling with folks um, with so many hard issues, I hope that it gives me a sensitivity to people. Um, so I'm all, I'm also thinking the thinking, trying to be honest here. Want to be honest? Yeah. Um, I do think there's so honestly, I think there are times that I it's harder for me. Some days, not every day, but some days, it's harder for me to still have something left in the reserve tank sometimes for another a fellow believer here or a fellow congregation person here at the crossing totally it's not always the case but uh um one of the things i'll kind of even connect it back with the with the being single part there's a number of days where it would be nice if i actually had a wife to come home to and she could kind of say honey how was your day and i could kind of unload on her so to speak (laughs) Hopefully I do that lovingly. all the time. <laughs> there you go. But the flip side of that is it, it's actually, it's nice that when I've had a really hard day, I am coming home to a house and I, I don't have to feel like I've got to be a listener to somebody else, yeah. to a wife or kids or something like that. Um, because I kind of get listened out um, yeah. in my, in my work, yes. not all the time, but, um, so, uh, so that's actually a, a, a way that my work challenges me, I would say in, in being a member of, of the congregation at the crossing but it gives me a sensitivity, I think. And I would also say, um, for for whatever it's worth, um, I think it's, it would be really, really, really hard to shock me in the sense of <laughs> um, if someone's struggling with something in our congregation and if they felt like I was someone they wanted to share that with and or something about their past or whatever it might be, um, yeah, that's almost, they could almost share anything and I'm going to be, I'm going to be fine in the sense like, Oh, that's fine that it happened to you. I don't mean that I'm going to hopefully be really caring, hopefully, um, and sensitive to their sin. You would be. potentially, I know you. but I'm, but I'm not going to be, um, overwhelmed by it or, um, you know, kind of yeah. off the rails or anything like that. Um, yeah. And so in that sense, um, when I am able to come alongside somebody here at the crossing that's going through a tough time, I think that my work helps prepare me for that. I guess I would say. Yeah, that's awesome. That's re- uh, and and maybe after this podcast, someone will come to you and 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 share something that, that they yeah. needed yeah. to share for a long yeah. time and haven't. So I, I will kind of say, in light of that, though, kind of for <laughs> clarification, though, um, I am I'm not the church's counselor, right? And so, um, although don't let that stop you from coming up to me and we can maybe have a conversation. 
but I wouldn't be able to do kind of regular counseling with just about anybody in the yeah. church because it, there's kind of already a um, a relationship in a, uh, in that way. Yeah, yeah. Totally. So, follow up question: How do you, do you protect your heart? Because you talked about kind yes. of just seeing the some of the brokenness and and yeah. people's deep problems. And I'm an emotional guy, and I know yeah. I, say, I say that all the time. Sorry, yeah, yeah, everyone. yeah, me too. It's like beating a yeah. dead horse, but oh yeah, so I bet I, I cry almost as much as you do. <laughs> Good, seriously. Thank, thank you. Good. There's. Another. I'm not as big on rom coms as you are, but I still cry a lot. <laughs> I'll, I'll get you some good ones. Okay, there you go. <laughs> um, how do you protect your heart, though? How yeah. do you prevent, you know, just a glass half empty or yeah, yeah, you know, brown colored glasses, or, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, view of the world. Yeah. So. Um, couple things. One that's kind of practical and one maybe that's uh, a little bit more spiritual in a sense. So practically speaking, I really, really try to have what I, at least what I consider as pretty healthy boundaries. Even So even what I just said about I'm not the church's counselor and kind of that little mm, yeah. caveat, that's part of me trying to have healthy boundaries. Yeah. Um, so I try to be all there with a client when I'm at work. Um, these days that's virtual, um, through oh, the yeah. phone or through yeah, video, yeah, but normally still. would be in my office. Yeah. Um, but also when they walk out the door or when I hang up that counseling, that phone call for these days, um, I try to, in a sense, leave their, pro- I have them take their problems with, with them, so to speak. Yeah. Um, I try to not take their problems on as my own or their issues on as my own. And, um, I do. I hope that I'm caring and and I'll be honest. I mean, sometimes it's easier to be caring towards some people than others. That's just the the honest truth. Yeah. Um, but, but no matter who it is, I, I try to have, I guess I'd say pretty clear dividing lines between work and home or work and everything else. Yeah. Um, so that's part of what helps me with that. The other thing is that, um, to me, you can't read the Bible and especially if you're a believer and you have the Holy Spirit, which every believer does. And to me, it's it's hard for me to understand Christians being um, pessimists. <laughs> and um, uh, Although, I mean, I don't know, maybe I, I don't think I'm a pessimist. Maybe some people that would know me, uh, I think I'm a realist. But uh, anyway, what I'm getting to is that if I really believe that that God is in charge of everything. You know, the fancy word is sovereign. He's mm-hmm. sovereign. He's in control. Yep. Then he's in control of the clients that come to see me and those that, that, that don't, that I never get to meet. He's in control of um, even how he's using me to try to minister to them and to help them, whether they know it or not, um, whether they know that he's involved or not. Um, and so I guess I I take a lot of comfort in the fact that even though this world is a dark place, um, that it's actually anywhere a Christian goes, including myself, it means there's light there. Because, and I'm not talking some kind of new age Boulder County kind of light. <laughs> um, just so we're clear, no crystals involved. Um, because the light of Christ is um, is within us. Yeah. And um, and to me, that makes all the difference. Christ in me. The hope, hope of, glory of glory from Colossians, which was a big theme of the Bible school I went to of Cape and Ray. Christ in me makes all the difference. Amen. All the difference. Yeah. And and that means the outlook I can have on any given day is informed by who I am in Christ, who he is, what he's done, um, 
what he's planning on doing. And, um, yeah. And so it doesn't mean there aren't days that I, that my work doesn't get me down. That's, that's certainly true. Well, totally. Some of the people I work with are, um, just almost touch my heart in a deeper way. And therefore I kind of hurt for them a little more than maybe some of the other clients just Mm -hmm. for different reasons. But even that, um, I try to make sure and, and cast that on the Lord um, because he cares for because us. He cares. Yeah. Amen. That was good. Thanks. Um, we have a few minutes left. So sure. I'm just going to ask you a couple more personal questions. Uh oh. If you could convince the, the listeners to read one Christian book, not Bible, Christian right. book that yep. really impacted Joey Nichols' life. Yes. What would it be? Um, well, the first one that comes to mind is, I hope it's not cliche that people, um, well, so people that know <laughs> me know answer. that I'm a big C.S. Lewis fan. Um, and so of his, there's, I, I'd want to recommend a bunch of his, but the, the one, in fact, I, I tell people this when I talk about this book, this is the book that's impacted my life after the Bible. This is the book that in book that's impacted my life more than any other. And that's mere Christianity. Oh yeah. Kind of his, uh, his way of mostly kind of simply, although he can be pretty challenging, some kind of tough sledding sometimes his reading to, to read him. But, um, well, he it's because he's British. The, he uses some words that you have to uh, look. But that's you're the like, best part is the British what? part. But I have uh, to look like six it was written in the up. 1940s, and yeah. so we have to keep that in mind. But basically, he puts out the basics of not just kind of Christian doctrine, but also he starts at the very beginning of why there why there is a God in the first place, mm-hmm. and um, and then kind of goes from there. And so, I've probably read it five or six times. I've read it l- along with other believers and other non and like a non-believer before. And it's just, uh, to me, I always get something new out of it. Um, C.S. Lewis, I think does a great job with metaphor and analogy. Oh and, yeah. And I love metaphor. Yeah. And so, um, that's, that's part of one of the draws for me. So I'd say, man, I will put this out there. I can't be your counselor maybe, <laughs> but if you, um, read, if you want to read mere Christianity and then, um, talk about, talk with talk. me about it, I will guarantee over a you, cup of tea, right? over a, well, or a cup of coffee, okay, um, or tea, or a beer, <laughs> and um, uh, I'll uh, I'll guarantee I'd say yes to that. Oh man, maybe we should start that this there fall or something. Yep. Oh, don't even get me started. I I've thought about a C.S. Lewis book club. Uh, oh my gosh, for years. I've but, read I read it once when I was like a young Christian. It's probably yeah. time for me to read it again. Yeah. I don't think I understood. A it's whole not going to speak to everybody, which is I mean, don't you know? I totally. That, um, but uh, to each their own. Have you read his sermon called "The Weight of Glory"? Or yeah, that's it's wonderful. A really, yep. yeah, yeah, powerful. Yep. Yes, sermon. Yeah. yeah, he's got two sermon kind of essays that I think are amazing. He's got a lot, but uh, one's called "The Weight of Glory," which is the name of the collection of essays. But that's the that's one of the essays, mm-hmm. and another one is called "The World's Last Night." Ooh, that kind of talks about that one. like you know what would it be like potentially if if this is the the, the day that Jesus is going to come back. Oh. And um, it's really good stuff. I think about that a lot. Yeah. And th- so that's the title of another book of essays and sermons called The, the World's, World's Last, Last Night. Night. Oh, I'm yeah. going to have to look that up. Yeah, it's good stuff. Cool. Okay. And then um, really quick, what are you reading right now in the Bible? Yeah. So uh, so a uh, confession that um, I'm, I'm really not good about uh, consistent, regular daily Bible reading. So you heard that from one of your pastors. Um, you can do what you will with that. <laughs> Um, but one of the things I have been reading is, uh, into the book of Daniel. Um, that's something we, we thought about, uh, doing a sermon series of, and we, we've decided not to do that in, anytime soon. We might do that later down the road, but, um, um, anyway, even in just the earlier parts, I'm really impressed with, uh, so 
for a lot of folks, if you've been a Christian for a while, at least some of the book of Daniel, some of the stories like uh, Daniel in the lion's den or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. um, those are pretty familiar. But to me, it's to read it kind of with fresh eyes. I think it's such an amazing thing that those those young men from from uh, from Judah that were carried off into captivity over to um, uh, that part of the Middle East, that they um, they stuck to their their standards of what they felt God was leading them to live by, and yet they were also um, they were positive parts of the culture, I guess I would say, and they were um, they were doing all they could to obey all the things that they could obey where they were at. And then there was something, when there was something that they couldn't obey, well, then they were clear about that too. Um, they were in a sense model citizens until there was an aspect of something that they couldn't be. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's a, uh, it goes back. There's a passage in Jeremiah where um, one of the um, prophecies that Jeremiah gives to the people around that same time actually was that when you're, when you're carried off over into there, you're meant to actually bless the bless the place and the people that you're around, mm. even though they're they're like um, they're not believers, so to speak. And to me, that's a wonderful reminder for myself that uh, um, in my work, which is with mostly non-believers, and um, out in the day-to-day life, kind of the, the big wide world of Loveland, Fort Collins, um, I'm meant to bless uh, the community. Yeah, be be a blessing. Amen. Yes, exactly. Yeah, we'll, we'll end on that note. Besides. One Bible trivia question. Uh-oh. <laughs> Do you know Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's Real he- names. Hebrew names? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I know that one is Hananiah, and uh, I forget the other two. Azariah and Mishael. Nice. I don't know if I pronounced those right at all. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I don't know why those stuck in my brain, yeah. except to, to have useless Bible Well, it's kind of sad but. that um, we, we get to always call Daniel by his Hebrew name, yeah. but then we think about the four young guys in the fiery furnace that we go back to their uh, their crummy Babylonian names. Yeah. So there you go. I don't know why. Yeah. Nice. Well, thanks for being on, Joey. Really thanks for having me. It. This went quick. Yeah, I told you. Time flies when you're having fun. There you go. Everyone, thanks for listening. Remember today, the gospel is true. Praise the Lord. See Amen. you guys on the next episode.